So left to ourselves, we will always choose sin because that's our nature. So with this in mind, Paul's encouragement to us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And by doing this, we can discern the will of God. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Fox Den. In my last episode, I gave you some suggestions on how to renew your mind. And after I recorded and edited that episode, I think I fell short of looking at ways to do that. So in this episode, I want to dig deeper on how to renew your mind. But to begin, let me quickly review Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So based on the grace and mercy of God, Paul encourages his readers to offer their bodies to God as living sacrifices. And this offering up of their bodies as living sacrifices is worship. Then he tells them to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. If you haven't done so already, listen to episode 66, where I talk about Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, this is something that you need to know. Our sinful hearts are drawn to this sinful world. Given the option to sin or obey God, by nature, we love our sin and we hate God. So by our own nature, we're going to sin and disobey God. And it's only by the work of the Holy Spirit that we even love God. So left to ourselves, we will always choose sin because that's our nature. So with this in mind, Paul's encouragement to us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And by doing this, we can discern the will of God. Or said another way, being transformed by the renewing of our minds will help us to live as kingdom citizens while we live here on earth. So with this in view, let me give you nine ways to renew your mind. And the first is prayer. Now, I'm only going to skim the surface concerning prayer. I'm actually planning on doing an entire episode on prayer in the future. But for now, I only want to point out that prayer is a means of renewing your mind. Or said another way, when you pray, your mind is renewed. I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said something like, prayer is not really about changing God, it's about changing us. And I think that's true. Take a look at the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Jesus encourages us to pray like this, that God's name be hallowed, that his kingdom come, that his will be done. Do you see what we're really praying for? We're praying that God be glorified, not us. We're praying that his will be done, not ours. We're praying that his kingdom come, not ours. Our selfish, sinful desire is that we be glorified, that our will be done, that our kingdom come. The Lord's Prayer, however, is a prayer that goes the opposite direction of us and our selfish desires. So the Lord's Prayer changes our thinking. Now, most people think that prayer is talking to God. And we tend to tell God what we want, help, health, and wealth. Those seem to be the main objects of our prayers. Now, certainly when we pray, we are talking to God, but prayer is much more than that. Prayer is an act of faith. It's an act of dependence on God. And think about that. If you're in your truck or you're at home and you pray, who are you praying to? You're alone. You're not talking to anybody else in the room. You're praying to someone whom you believe exists. 
and you believe that the one to whom you're praying is greater than you and is able to help you. So prayer is an act of faith. You actually believe you're praying to somebody. And then also, prayer is an engagement with God. You see, prayer isn't really about bringing a list of demands to God, hoping that he is going to give you what you ask for. Prayer is exercising your relationship or your friendship with God. There's an interaction that takes place, an engagement. It's coming face-to-face with the creator of the universe as one of his children. You see, when you pray, he's not in some distant land. You're not talking to him on a cell phone. He's in the truck with you. He's in the room with you. And when you pray, you're engaging the creator of the universe who is with you. Prayer is a means of renewing your mind and is a means by which you're transformed. The second thing that you can do to renew your mind is read the Bible. Sometimes I think we turn the Bible into a book of incantations as if by reading it, magical things happen. And that's not the purpose of the Bible. God gave us the Bible so that we would know who he is, that we would know who we are. We'd know our need for salvation. We'd know who our Savior is and so on. God makes himself known through the Bible, and therefore the Bible is a means by which you're transformed. You see, it too changes your thinking. Now, I understand that the Bible can be very hard to read and even understand. The book of Leviticus, for example, can be very boring as it covers details of all those offerings. And at times, it's hard to see the significance of many passages in the Bible. For example, what's the purpose of the census in Numbers 1? However, as I've already mentioned, if the Bible is God's means of making himself known, then it's a means by which our minds are renewed. Now, let me give you just a few tips on reading the Bible. First, you should have a good understanding of the whole Bible story from Genesis to Revelation. I cover the Bible story in episodes 52 to 56. And then second, when you read any book of the Bible, you should know where it fits in the Bible timeline or the Bible story. Third, you need to know that the whole Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is primarily about Jesus. So take Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, for example. This is known as the Proto-Evangelion, or the first mention of the gospel. Immediately following the fall of mankind, God cursed the serpent, who is Satan. And he tells them that the seed of Eve, or the seed of the woman, is going to crush the serpent's head. Now, this isn't a prophetic message about man's innate fear of snakes. This is a promise of Christ destroying Satan. Because of what Satan did, tempting Eve to disobey God, God cursed Satan. And in that curse, he promised Satan that the offspring of Eve, or the offspring of a woman, was going to defeat Satan. And that offspring is Jesus. So here we see, in the very beginning of the Bible, a prophecy of Jesus. And then if we look at John chapter 3, Jesus said that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And what Jesus is talking about is that he needs to be crucified. But what does Jesus mean by the serpent being lifted up in the wilderness? Well, if we go to Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 and following, we see what Jesus is talking about. And back then, the people of Israel had left Egypt and they're wandering in the wilderness. And many of them complained against God. So God sent serpents, and many of them were bitten and they died. So they went to Moses and they asked him to pray for them, and he did. 
And God told Moses to put a bronze serpent on a pole. And when somebody was bitten, they would look on the bronze serpent and they would live. And what Jesus is saying is that bronze serpent way back there in the wilderness, which happened several hundred years before Jesus was even born, he was saying that bronze serpent was pointing forward to him. So in these two examples, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and this bronze serpent, Numbers chapter 21, they point to Jesus. So the whole Old Testament and the whole New Testament is about Jesus. So you have to understand that when you read the Bible. And then fourth, you need to make sure you understand that the Bible is about Jesus, not about you. So that means don't read yourself in the story. Don't read the Bible as if God is telling you about you. I mean, certainly it's good news for you, and certainly there's some instruction in the Bible for you, but the Bible is not about you. Now, you may think I'm being a little harsh here, but our tendency is to read ourselves in the story. We play a small part in God's story, but we're not the main character. Jesus is the main character of the Bible. And then fifth, be persistent. If you read the Bible and it doesn't make sense, you're probably going to be tempted to stop reading. Don't stop. Pray that God will help you understand what you're reading and how it points to Jesus. And then be persistent and keep on reading, even when you run into parts that you just don't understand. Now, you can listen to episodes 27 and 28 where I give you tips on how to read the Bible and how to study the Bible. So the next way on renewing your mind is through worship. And you can worship God privately and corporately. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 that presenting our bodies to God as living sacrifices is worship. And by presenting our bodies, Paul means turning from sin and living in a manner that is pleasing to God. Now, what's the difference between private worship and corporate worship? Well, private worship means we're worshiping God individually. And this can happen when you're driving your truck or when you're in your home by yourself or you're in a coffee shop reading the Bible and studying. Corporate worship means gathering as the people of God, for example, on Sunday morning. Now, concerning corporate worship, the first thing I'm going to do is encourage you to join a church. And with that said, not every so-called church is an adequate place of worship. There are false churches. So you want a place that focuses on what God has done for you in Christ, not what you need to do to stay out of hell or what you need to do to appease God. Now, at this point, let me walk you through what you would find in a worship service so that you can see how the different components help renew your mind. Now, to be fair, these are things that you would likely see in a Presbyterian service. Not all denominations include these different components. So the first component is a call to worship. And here God calls his people to gather and worship him. Now, our sinful minds think that God is selfish and full of himself when he calls us to worship him. He's not. He can't be because he's sinless. But we think this way because of our own sinful minds. If I invited you to come worship me, that's sinful because I'm not God and I'm doing it for my own selfish desire. In other words, we project onto God our own sinfulness. We think that way because we're sinful and we love people to worship us. But God doesn't need our worship. So God calls us to worship him for our good. And then next you would find an invocation, and this invocation is us calling out to God to come and to be with us and to minister to us. And then you would have singing. Now, I'll talk more about singing later, but through singing we tell God and each other how great God is. And then you might have confessional reading, and by that I mean creeds, confessions, catechisms. 
So in our church, we'll often read the Heidelberg Catechism questions one and two, and then a confession of sin, and this is where we confess to God that we have sinned against him. And then we would have an assurance of pardon, and this is when God tells us through the minister that our sins are forgiven. And then we'll have prayer, and through prayer, we acknowledge our sin, we call on him to forgive us, we ask him to meet our needs, we ask him to care for us, we praise him for his greatness, and so on. And then we have preaching. And this is what you need to know about preaching. It's not merely teaching or talking. Preaching is proclaiming the good news of Christ. And then furthermore, Jesus speaks through the preaching of God's word. So when we gather for worship and the preacher proclaims the good news of Christ, Jesus speaks. And you can listen to episode 26 where I talk about hearing the voice of Jesus. And then the next component of worship are the sacraments. And the sacraments are baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, many of you may know these as ordinances, not sacraments, but they're really the same thing, just called different names. And through baptism and the Lord's Supper, God communicates to us his grace extended to us in Christ. Now, I'm not going to go into detail here concerning the sacraments. I'll save that for another episode. But let me at least read Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 92. And it asks, what is a sacrament? And it answers by saying, A sacrament is a holy ordinance instituted by Christ, wherein by sensible signs Christ and the benefits of the new covenant are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. So with these sensible signs, meaning water and baptism and bread and wine in the Lord's Supper, God points us to Christ. But not only that, God is marking us as his people, and he applies Christ to us, and he applies the benefits in Christ to us. Several years ago, I baptized a woman, and when I did, she wept. Now, these were tears of joy, not sadness. You see, she understood what happened to her. She wasn't checking off some box. This wasn't merely an act of obedience. She knew that God was marking her as his own. So through the sacraments, God points us to Christ. He marks us as his own, and he applies to us Christ and the benefits in him. And then we usually conclude a worship service with a benediction. And the benediction is the blessing of God at the conclusion of the worship service. So in the benediction, though the pastor is speaking, it is God himself who blesses his people. And he does this through the pastor. So from this short survey on a worship service, you should see this dialogue between God and his people. God calls his people to worship him. We call on God through the invocation and prayer. He speaks to us through scripture reading and preaching, and we declare God's glory through singing. And then God blesses us through the benediction. So you see this dialogue that's going on. That's a means of renewing your mind. Now, what do you do if you don't have a solid church around you? Well, my podcast was actually started because some friends moved back to where they're from, and they didn't have a solid church to attend. So I started my podcast in large part to help them spiritually. And they don't have a church to attend, so they listen to my podcast, and this helps renew their minds. And they also stream into our worship service on Sunday mornings. They don't live in the area anymore, and yet they continue to stream in and join us for worship virtually on Sunday mornings. I think this is one of the benefits of COVID. Though our church did not gather physically during COVID, we did gather virtually. So our pastor would preach from the pulpit in our church, and we would attend from our living rooms. And therefore, we still heard the voice of Christ as our pastor preached the Word of God. And where our church didn't stream the worship service before COVID, they do now. 
and my friends are able to join us for worship virtually, even though they don't live in the area. Is meeting virtually ideal? Well, of course not. But remember, faith comes by hearing. And again, we heard the voice of Christ by the proclamation of his word from our pastor. So if your only option is to meet with the congregation virtually, then do so, because faith comes by hearing. Okay, so another way to renew your mind is through singing or through songs. And there's really three different types, psalms, hymns, and biblical songs or contemporary music. So in the psalms, you can read them or sing them. There are some denominations that sing psalms only, and they've taken these psalms and they've put them to music. They've compiled these psalms into a songbook, and they call it a Psalter. And I'll put a YouTube link to Psalm 23 in the description, and you can go there and listen to Psalm 23 being sung. And you can also read or sing hymns. And one I have in mind is Amazing Grace. That's a well-known hymn. Now, the writer of Amazing Grace is John Newton, and he was a slave trader, and he later became a believer. And in looking at his life, he wrote Amazing Grace. Now, I'm going to read for you the first stanza of Amazing Grace, and I want you to hear what he said. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Do you see how he recognized who he really was, a wretch? And yet, because of God's amazing grace, he's no longer lost, but he's found. He's no longer blind, but now he sees. So songs like this can renew your mind. And I'll leave a link in the description section of a version of Amazing Grace as well. And then you can also listen to contemporary songs, but you got to make sure these are biblical. Quite frankly, you could say the same thing about hymns. There are some hymns that are problematic. Well, many contemporary songs, I would argue, are problematic. So just be careful of the songs that you listen to. But there's actually a lot of good contemporary songs. For example, In Christ Alone, Reckless Love, Almost Home. Those are three songs that I think are worth listening to. But I would be careful with contemporary Christian songs that you listen to on the radio. Many of them focus on you rather than God. Many of them also focus on social gospel issues, feeding the hungry, being nice, those kinds of things. And a lot of them are weak on biblical content. So just be careful on the contemporary Christian songs that you listen to. Another way of renewing your mind is through reading creeds, confessions, and catechisms. These are documents that the church has written to clearly state what we believe. So for example, let me read the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Taking time to read that creed helps renew the mind because it refreshes in your brain who God is, who Jesus is, and what we believe as a church. But you can also read the confessions of the church. So let me read Article 20 of the Belgic Confession. 
And it says, We believe that God, who is perfectly merciful and also very just, sent his Son to assume the nature in which the disobedience had been committed in order to bear in it the punishment of sin by his most bitter passion and death. So God made known in his justice toward his Son, who was charged with our sin, and he poured out his goodness and mercy on us, who are guilty and worthy of damnation, giving to us his Son to die by a most perfect love and raising him to lie for our justification, in order that by him we might have immortality and eternal life. So again, as you read that article of the Belgic Confession, you can see how this can renew your mind or refresh your mind. And then finally, reading catechisms. And again, a catechism is merely a question-answer education tool. So let me read question 33 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And it asks, what is justification? And it answers by saying, justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. So as you read these different creeds and confessions and catechisms, this is a way of renewing your mind. And I would go a step further. I would take time to memorize the Apostles' Creed, memorize certain portions of confessions, memorize catechism questions. For example, Heidelberg Catechism Question 1, or the Westminster Shorter Catechism Question 33. And then you can continue to think about that throughout the day. And you can list to Episode 15 where I talk about Question 1 of the Heidelberg Catechism, and list to Episode 4 where I talk about Question 33 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Now, on these last four ways of renewing your mind, I'm going to go pretty quickly. And number six is reading Christian books, articles, and journals. And again, I think you need to be selective. Not all Christian books are actually worth reading. So there's just a caution. And it'd be the same thing with number seven, listening to sermons and listening to podcasts. Not all sermons and podcasts are worth listening to. You need to make sure that you're listening to those that emphasize salvation by the grace of God through faith in Christ alone. And you want to focus on those that talk about what God has done for you, not what you need to do for him. Now, there are many churches out there that record their sermons in video or audio. And then there's also plenty of podcasts to listen to. And you can go to reformpodcasts.com and you'll find a bunch of different podcasts. And then number eight, meditation. Now, I have to define meditation here. I'm not talking about mysticism. I'm not talking about emptying your mind or focusing on your breathing. Biblical meditation is thinking about a particular idea or Bible verse and then pondering it over and over and over. Listen to Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. You see, the point there is that he's constantly thinking about pondering the Word of God or the law of God. He's washing his brain with it. So meditating isn't this mystic emptying your mind or something like that. It's thinking over and over and over about the truth of the Bible. Let's look at Psalm 23 as an example, and we're just going to look at the first part of verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Take time to 
ponder that one simple statement. What does it mean that the Lord is my shepherd? Well, it means that I belong to him. It means that I'm dependent on him. It means that he cares for me. Do you see how we can take one simple concept and continue to ponder on it and think over it and let it wash our brain? And now you have the whole Bible to meditate on. So don't just read the Bible and walk away. When you read the Bible, meditate on what you have just read. Think about it throughout the whole day. I mean, think about what you could do. Again, going back to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You can take that with you and think about it the whole day and let it renew your mind. Now, the last way of renewing our minds is community. And by this, I mean several different things. And the first is church, right? If you belong to a church, you're in a church family, and those relationships can help renew your mind. Or friends, perhaps you go out with a fellow believer and you talk about the things of God and you encourage one another. Or small groups where you would gather to have a Bible study. And then also accountability partners where you agree with a friend or a partner to hold one another accountable. So community can be a way of renewing our minds. Well, I hope you found this helpful. I've given you nine ways in which you can renew your mind and be transformed. But keep in mind, it's really the Holy Spirit that transforms us. So take time to pray to God and ask Him as you engage in these different ways in which you renew your mind to transform you by the renewing of your mind. That concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. If you enjoy The Fox Den, please leave a positive review and share this podcast with others. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. The Fox Den is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Thanks for listening. And remember, faith comes by hearing.